Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode seven. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. As usual, wherever you are in the world, I hope you are having a truly amazing day. So another week is here, and they seem to be going quicker and quicker for some reason, but perhaps that's my age and myself um, thinking that. It's been a really cool week. Had a great time presenting at the Northwest Business Expo. Met some fantastic business owners and had some frank conversations about challenges and things that they're needing to work on in order to make a bigger impact. Um, it's all the, always great sort of meeting people and going through those sort of challenges and having frank conversations, to be honest, as well. And today we have got a a fantastic guest. I know I say that all the time, but we really do. We've got a brilliant guest. The lady who's going to talk today is Teresa de Grobois. She's from Canada. And Teresa is a four times best-selling author and an international speaker sought by entrepreneurs and large corporations wanting to better understand how local word of mouth can suddenly turn into an epidemic. Specialising in the topics of influence and success, Teresa has a proven track record in understanding word-of-mouth epidemics, having taken three books to bestseller status in only eight months. Her recently released book, Mass Influence, hit number one international bestseller status in North America and Europe on the same day it launched. Teresa teaches businesses and marketing courses around the globe, including teaching courses to startup entrepreneurs in developing countries. As the chair of the Evolutionary Business Council, Teresa leads an international invitation-only council of speakers and influencers dedicated to teaching the principles of success. So hi, Teresa. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. So could you just give us a, a little bit more of a background on your journey into entrepreneurship and where you are now and share with us sort of the your your skill set as well well you know i'm an expert in influence and i'd love to say there was a lovely linear path to getting there <laughs> and uh, like like most entrepreneurs it was anything but linear um, you know i really started my journey to entrepreneurship um after i had what i affectionately call my really bad year um i had a year about 15 years ago now when you know, like a lot of people, my whole life fell apart in the space of, you know, the first six months of that year, I'd lost my health, my marriage had fallen apart, my business was failing. Uh, and to top it all off, my marriage had ended. And I had this really profound moment one day when I was uh, sitting in the bathroom of my, you know, p first condo post marriage breakup. And I'm surrounded by tools because I've always been a renovator. And this project's going to be my latest or the bathroom's going to be my latest project. And the only thought in my head is it's me that needs renovating. And uh, it was one of those brilliant moments of, you know, through the pain, you see that light of, oh, my God, I get it now. And, uh, and so that was the moment I really made the, the decision to completely change and alter my life. I, you know, I started doing every self-help course known to man. I started getting a lot more serious about my health and my yoga. And, you know, within a few years of that time, I had completely reinvented myself. I had, you know, quit my leadership job in Canada's oil and gas industry. I had 
um, started a charity to build schools in Africa, and I was writing children's books to raise money for that charity. And, um, you know, in that space, a couple things happened really rapidly. The first was I very quickly learned I didn't like being a children's author. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the second was... I, you know, I had people coming at me in droves saying, holy cow, Teresa, how did you put three books on the bestseller list in eight months? And, and that, it was in that conversation that I had the realization, you know how they say fish don't know what water is? Mm. A lot of times we don't know what we're really gifted at till other people start pointing it out to us, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was mentoring all these people in how to create energy and word of mouth around their work. And uh, suddenly one day I was sitting having a cup of tea with one of my uh, colleagues and dear friends, Dr. Sean DePerrin. And, uh, and Dr. Sean just looks at me and says, honey, you know, when the universe is sending you a flood of something that you really love, maybe you should pay attention. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's where I, you know, again, made one of those profound decisions to completely reinvent myself. I rebranded myself as an influence expert overnight, teaching people how to create movements and word of mouth epidemics around their work. Mm. And I've never looked back. My life has been on fire ever since. Yeah, I'm, yeah, and I can I can testify to that because I think we first got to know each other back in two thousand and nine. Yeah, think. that's I mean, right. That's a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and so with and I love that uh, uh, the the um, how do you describe it? An, an epidemic of influence? Did you did you describe it? Yeah, or, it's yeah. a great way to describe it. We're, you know, creating word of mouth epidemics or even yeah. pandemics around I, your work is, is really the basis of all mass That's influence. That's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. So, could you could you share with us some um, some tips or some strategies that we could use, or, or you could share with us that we could use to help increase our influence as well? Yeah, well, you know, first of all, let's talk about what influence is. Brilliant. You know, influence yeah. is anytime someone knows, likes, and trusts you enough that they'll take action based on what you recommend, right? Yeah. And so mass influence is just a lot of people know, liking, and trusting you, right? Yeah. And and so when you think about what that takes, you know, really, you can almost think of it like it is a sport. There's, there's a set of rules to the game. There's a set of etiquette. There's um, even a speech code by which highly influential people tend to operate. And it is something that's very learnable. In my book, Mass Influence, I talk about the 10 habits that highly influential people have because they are things that a lot of people are somewhat doing unconsciously. But when you actually get really aware of them and start doing them consciously, you can create a lot more energy around whatever change it is that you want to create in the world. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a, that's the thing, isn't it? Having either becoming aware of that and having trust that you are able to do that, isn't it? Because it's probably a comfort. Do you find it's a confidence thing as well? Very much so. You know, like one of the biggest things I see that stops most people becoming influential, uh, and and we all know this, right? It's it's those self limiting beliefs, that inner dialogue you have, right? And in fact, the only people that don't have a lot of inner dialogue that would stop them from becoming influential tend to be sociopaths. Um, you know, they have a different set of inner dialogue, right? But good people, everyday heroes, tend to have a lot of self-doubt when it comes to really stepping up into their own leadership and causing change in the world, especially when you talk about stepping into your own dreams, right? Because your dreams are scarier to you than they are to anyone else on the planet, right? They're your freaking dreams. Like, that's huge. 
And yet at the same time, there's nowhere out there, no one out there more hardwired to live your dreams than you, because you're going to be more passionate about it. You're going to be more committed to it. You're going to be a lot more enrolling and engaging of other people because you're so passionate about your dreams. So the, the great irony is, you know, our own dreams become a double-edged sword. It's a, it's a journey of like mastering that self-doubt at the same time, giving yourself permission to really be passionate about something and be a force for change in the world. And I suppose it's, it's the, there's two, there's two types of fear there, isn't there? There's that fear of to get started, and then I suppose there's that fear of but what happens if this actually comes true? And yeah, managing absolutely. that, isn't it? Yeah. What happens if I yeah. do become this big and I do make an impact like this on the world, whatever whatever avenue that decides to be? But it's yeah. that fear of well, what, what happens? <laughs> do yeah. I have to change in a in some sort of maybe bad way, or do I? How do I adapt to that change? Yeah, I mean, that really is one of the best quotes of all time, that Marianne Williamson quote that's often attributed to Nelson Mandela around our greatest fear is not that we are are inadequate, but we are powerful beyond measure, you know. And um, it's very true. You know, most of us invented some form of limiting beliefs. A lot of us have a very dominant limiting belief that we invented in the very early years of our lives, when we were first learning language. In fact, research shows that whatever those first failures you had early on in life tend to be the same limiting dialogue that you'll bring up every time you feel challenged. And, um, you know, like I can actually remember the moment I first created mine, right? Uh, You know, I'm not only from Canada, I'm from northern Canada, northern Ontario. Um, You know, I basically grew up in a Mark Twain novel, right? So... We, we used to spend our summers in a remote backwoods cabin. We'd go in by boat every year. Um, I love to say just in time to see the hatching of the little baby mosquitoes. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, uh, you know, one year we were just back from the cabin and, you know, we we're standing in the kitchen of our 100-year-old home, little tiny kitchen, all my eight older brothers and sisters and a lot of my cousins all crowded into this little room and everyone's buzzing with excitement because my grandma's taken us to the movies, which is a really big deal in our family because I have a staunchly Catholic mother. Um, you know, she's seriously concerned about the morals of Hollywood movie makers. Right. <laughs> but, you know, one of my brothers has managed to convince her that Walt Disney's not the worst guy on the planet. Yeah. And she's letting us go see the love bug, right? And I look across the room just in time to hear mom say, Teresa can't go. She's too little. And three-year-old me in that moment is so utterly devastated that I make up, I'm too small to play with the big kids. And that inner dialogue sticks. Right? Now, the interesting thing about having an inner dialogue like that, and this is true for everyone, right? I'm too small to play with the big kids is not good or bad. It just is. Right. You know, it not only became the thing that stopped me every time I wanted to step into leadership or or move upward in my life, it became the thing that motivated me to disprove that it was wrong. You know, go figure that I'd become a number one international bestselling author on the topic of influence, right? Because I'm too small to play with the big kids actually became a driver for me in my life. Hmm. And so, you know, when you can really start looking at what are those limiting beliefs you have? And most people have one or two that's really dominant. And when you can look at those and see, 
not only where do they hinder you, but where do they help you? And, and fall in love with that little child who created that, then that's the opportunity to really step into your own influence and, and cause leadership to happen around you. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know because my, mine is intelligence. It was always because mm, with yeah. the, uh, suffering from dyslexia and stuff. I remember, I mean, it was my granddad when I was quite young. He said, and he meant it in a very positive and motivating way because I think I got some bad grades or something. And he said, um, what did he say? He said, son, you, you might not have the, the, the brains, but you've definitely got the personality. And wow. what he was saying is don't worry about it because you, they will like you because of who you are. I kind of like took that on as, as well, there's got to be something wrong with me. So therefore yeah. I don't have, so it's, I never really pushed myself at school. I never really did anything when it came to academia because it was like, well, what's the point of even trying because I don't have the intelligence or whatever, even though it yeah. wasn't taken. And I think you, it identifies, it's, it's not necessarily what people say, it's how we take it on board. Yeah. And what then, do we make it mean? Yeah, yeah. And then what's that story that we keep telling ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis that tells us and at any time we can break that we just have to have the courage to push push past that barrier don't we yeah exactly i mean it's ironic that so many top leaders in the world are in fact dyslexic right yeah, I'm that's a good thing i keep telling my boys well, that right? yeah i keep telling my boys that all things are a double-edged sword the same things that hinder us are often assets and help us in other scenarios right so yeah. you know having influence causing change in the world is is not necessarily in spite of your weaknesses. Sometimes it's because of yes. those things that you might define as weaknesses. They may, in fact, be some of your greatest strengths. Yeah, and it's and it's it, and it, it's just to get started. But to be more, is it to be more to be more tactical to get an idea of what your resources resources are, sorry, and then utilize them in order to push forward for those to create that influence. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, what it, what it comes down to, here's the principle in a nutshell. You can't make yourself famous. Um, influential people need other influential people to talk about them in a positive way. That's where they gain their influence, right? I mean, that's, you know, one of the reasons you and I have become not only colleagues, but friends is, you know, we admire each other's work. I, I would come on your show any day of the week, Jeff Nicholson, because yeah. I love what you teach. I'm happy to shout you out to everyone who follows me. Right. And, and so when you look at what creates influence, it's building relationships with other influential people because influential people need other influential people to endorse them yeah. because that's where they gain their influence from. Right. And it, it's, this is not about inauthentic, you know, just I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. It's not like that. It's more about authentically looking for people you deeply admire and then really, you know, helping them gain more influence by endorsing them, shouting them out, recommending them for awards, helping them find places to speak, whatever it takes, right? And when you find you get into those relationships like that, you know, your own influence starts to grow. What you give, you get. And it's really just a matter of learning how to avoid the mistakes people tend to make when they first step into this realm. Yeah. And I suppose as well as that influence doesn't necessarily, you can use exactly the same lessons, even if you're not an entrepreneur, and it's just about improving your life. It's how do you help other people? And how do those people m help move you forward in your in your sphere, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, of course, my book, Mass Influence, was written for entrepreneurs because yeah. often they're the ones pushing out new ideas and new thinking and really creating change in the world. But the reality is, you know, the same principles apply whether you're working in a big corporation and you just want to create change internally, uh, whether or not you're running a not-for-profit, whether you're just looking to create change in your community or your family, the same principles of influence apply there tends to be a set or a way influential people operate. And when you understand uh, what that looks like, it almost becomes as simple as breathing, right? Um, you know, I love, I love using the analogy for breathing for this because, you know, when we were first born, in the first moments of our lives, we had to learn how to breathe. Yeah. And, you know, and then you never thought about breathing again. It simply became the way you were and it wasn't something you had to think about like it was a skill. It's just you moved through your day and you naturally breathed mm. until those moments when, you know, everything went to hell in a handbasket and, yeah. and you forgot to breathe and your yeah. friends had to say, take a deep breath, yeah. you know. But influence is a lot like that. When you start to master the skills and get really aware and, and present to what's going on, um, you really never have to think about it again. It simply becomes part of your being and part of the way you move through your day. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And I can, I can definitely vouch you definitely live and breathe that. <laughs> Thank Without you, Jeff. Likewise, because how you, the you know with the, and uh, with the EBC, the Evolution Business Council, and all of that is just amazing what you've created through, and the mutual you know the mutual influence of everyone that creates in that. It's just an amazing thing. Mm. But, Thanks, um, Jeff. I well, appreciate that. Brilliant. Thank you very much for, for sharing that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go into question time where I ask a guest every every show a, a set of questions just to find out a little bit more about some of the challenges maybe and some of their interests. And then we go to the, the final uh, life lesson question. So the first question is, is how much time do you spend a month on self-development? Oh, wow. What a great question. Um, I spend time every day on self-development, actually. I journal. I do courses. Um, boy, I'd, it'd be hard to tally it, but it's got to average probably one to two hours a day, truthfully. Brilliant. Excellent. And yeah. do you find do – you, is there a specific vehicle that you prefer? Do you listen to audio books, podcasts? Do you have a favorite one, or is it a combination of <laughs> All of the above. Yeah, yeah the same. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I find, uh, you know, I get some of my deepest breakthroughs um, at live workshops. Uh, yeah. You know, I do love live workshops. There's some great companies out there that do awesome ones. Mm. Um, you know, I love the work of Jennifer Huff. I love the work of Dr. Shonda Perrin. Harrison Klein has some awesome work. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I find sometimes it's the tighter, more intimate stuff you do with a coach or a counselor that helps you solidify and retain those breakthroughs that you had uh, in the group settings. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, often we have our deepest breakthroughs in community, but, but keep, you know, making them real in your lives and carrying them forward in your lives is sometimes a whole nother game. Right. And so, you know, I love to surround my people, myself with people who are also really committed to doing their work because you know, then we've got a community that coaches each other. One of the reasons I created the Evolutionary Business Council, in fact, was not only to help, you know, emerging thought leaders and people who really want to create change in the world connect with each other and become more influential. I wanted to create a community of people I wanted to hang out with, <laughs> you know, 
Um, because they say we become like the five people we hang out with most, right? So I really wanted to create uh, environments in which, you know, those of us who really are committed to looking inward so that we can cause change outward, um, that, that we had access to each other, not only for what we're doing in the world, but, but for really looking at how we grow. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So the second question is, what is your favorite book and why so it's based on a personal development book but it may not be a personal development book that taught you something um you know uncategorically my favorite book is the go-giver by bob berg okay. um, i love the i love the way you say book too <laughs> it's such a great <laughs> i love british accents they're so lovely there's so many of them too um <laughs> the go-giver ever lose that no um yeah truly it's one of the selling point when i come over to on the Canada. planet yeah <laughs> Um, absolutely. You sound so smart to us. <laughs> um, but no, I love The Go-Giver. I think Bob Berg is brilliant. It's The Go-Giver is almost written like a parable yeah. um, around, you know, how do you create influence and energy around yourself mm. uh, be, by being the kind of person who's always asking the question, how, how can I be of service to others? And it's just a beautifully written book. I'm a huge fan of Bob Berg's work. Brilliant. And uh, I think it's a must-read book for everyone in this industry. If I remember rightly, you have it behind you in your bookcase all the time. I do, yeah. 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 When, when people ask me on a video call my favorite book, I always grab it and yeah. hold it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, at our upcoming Global Influence Summit, which is the big events uh, we do once a year, uh, the next one's coming up in Florida, yeah. Bob Berg's actually going to be one of the be guest speakers. It's the first time he's spoken at one of my events, so I'm tickled pink that oh, he's I coming to join us. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Brilliant. So the third question is, what is your favorite app? My favorite app? Um, you know, actually... You might not uh, guess the answer I'm going to give you to this one. Um, there's a meditation app that was developed by Tamara Green and her husband, da David Dashinger. And um, it's called oh, Life Meditation, I think. God, I should got to remember the name. Um, it's just beautiful, though. It's one of the most beautiful meditation apps I've seen. And it allows you to, you know, scroll through and choose meditations for different things you're going through in your life. Oh, wow. Okay. And the most powerful apps I've seen, actually. Brilliant. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you very much. The fourth question is, what was your biggest business mistake and what did it teach you? Biggest business mistake. You know, I have trouble thinking of things as mistakes because I well, learned yeah, from them. Always, there's always a lesson um, at the end of them. If you're Yeah, I love to give myself permission to fail fast. Ooh. You know, but I, I would have to say if I was to talk about a failure, spectacular mistake, it was investing too heavily in someone who wasn't ready for it, Okay. you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I would use the analogy of, you know, they say Oprah Winfrey only has people on her show who are ready to be on her show. And if you're sort of ready, she might put you in the front row and put a mm. camera in your face for a few minutes. Yeah. But it wouldn't make sense for her to put a raving newbie in, you know, up on the stage who's just quaking in their boots and can't handle it. I like and, that. you know, early, early on when I was starting out as a speaker – you know, I was so keen and so zealous to really help people. Mm. You know, I helped someone do a big event that wasn't ready to do a big event. Um, they were probably ready for a 40 or 50 person event. They weren't ready for 150 or 200 people. 
They didn't have enough experience as a speaker and trainer. Mm. And I went out and endorsed them to all these potential sponsors and put all these people in the room. And the event was a major train wreck. It it just, you know, they weren't ready to host an event that size. And, uh, but it really taught me, it's like, I'm accountable for that. You know, as much Mm. as they were, um, I'm accountable for, not only letting down a bunch of, you know, my colleagues, colleagues and connections, but I was accountable for, you know, helping that person have a spectacular failure and look bad. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it really taught me that as you play the game of influence, you know, you gift influence to other people appropriately. You help them at the level they're at, get to the next level, Mm -hmm. leapfrogging people ahead so that they're way beyond where they're ready to be. Isn't a service to other people. And you really got to learn to have some, you know, judgment around that. Yeah, I suppose it's that it's that tension, isn't it? It's it's all right yeah. to be stretched, but it's not all right to be snapped and thrown somewhere else in order just yeah. to to make you think that you can achieve something bigger when it's a work in progress. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, so question number five is: What are your challenges in balancing work and life? Well, I like to say I live a balanced life of imbalance. That's like a cheat. <laughs> you know, I surrender to my life, right? And yeah. I have periods where I am crazy busy. I'm, I'm in yeah. one of them right now, right? My, mm. You know, I think I have, you know, in the next six weeks, something like nine, ten different speaking engagements, mm. um, you know, which is a lot and, yeah. and a lot of travel. You know, I'm in several different cities over the next several weeks. And, um, uh, you know, at the same time, then sometimes I have times where I just relax and hibernate. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, uh, I love my life the way it is and I really wouldn't have it any other way. I, I love the messiness. I love the breakdown mm. because I, I do believe that breakthrough lies on the other side of breakdown. Landmark teaches that they're one of the bigger training companies in yeah. the world. I love a lot of the stuff they teach. Yeah. And um and and so you know it is what it is. I yeah. guess is all I no, would it's say. No, it's a good answer. I mean, it's like the it's an ebb and flow, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, it it's, really is. It's going, it's going with it. It's because I've always found and I've learned is you don't fight the flow. Because yeah, fighting, I think the biggest mistake we can make is have an expectation of what it should look like. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, if you just surrender to where your life is taking you, often you know the universe gives you so much more than you ever could have imagined. Yeah that it's really quite incredible. That's brilliant. Okay. Um, Question number six is, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had had when you started out? Oh, give yourself permission to fail. In fact, give yourself permission to fail spectacularly, (laughs) you know? Because if you're not willing to fail, you're not going to move forward. And, you know, the top leaders in the world aren't those who avoid failure. They're those that learn to fail fast. You know, fail and pick yourself up quickly and keep moving. Failure is simply a step on on the road to to success. We all know that adage in business. Mm. And and so get, the best thing you can do is give yourself permission to fail. No, that's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Fail big, fail fast. Because <laughs> mm. it's the best learning lessons you're ever going to have. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so brilliant. Now we come to the life lesson question. So as usual, I ask my guests to pick a number between 1 and 50. Whatever number that lands on, it falls on a lesson that I have learned in in sort of getting my life back on track and going into this this world of entrepreneurship. And we're going to discuss it for a bit. So 
pick a number between 1 to 50, Teresa. I don't know why, but 46 is coming up for me. So let's go with that. Is enjoying the simple things. Um, oh, it okay. basically comes from the point of is quite often we were so busy pursuing, you know, the great audacious goals that actually sometimes it's nice just to take a moment and just, you know, feel the, feel the wind in our face or the, the breeze or listen to some music or something and just appreciate the small things because mm. sometimes we can get so carried away and we forget about all those lovely little things in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering what you think. Very much so. I, I, I knew we picked this number for a reason. That's actually <laughs> the major philosophy on which I live my life. You oh, know, definitely. Um, you know, because you know, I'm at the point. I've I've been financially free for a number of years, and you know, I'm I'm now you know privileged to be one of those people that I work because I love what I do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've learned, you know, for example, I'd far rather stay in the guest room of a friend and colleague than at a five-star hotel. Because mm. for me, I'm happier when we can kick up our feet at night and have a cup of tea and, and get to know one, one another. You know, I'm far happier when I can make myself an omelet in the morning and walk out to the garden and pick fresh chives and fresh parsley and and make that omelet. You know, when I do business meetings, I'm far happier when I can have them in my home and Mm. man the cappuccino machine myself. Um, And and it's actually in those everyday little actions that I gain a lot of presence and awareness to the people around me and who I am and and what brings me joy. Um, You know, I used to be someone uh, who lived that high-powered life of a corporate executive and um, had the big house and the nice cars. And and I discovered that, you know, actually in moving to a slightly smaller house and downsizing and simplifying, my life had a lot less stress in it. And and I was a lot more aware of the things that actually bring me happy, happiness as opposed to the things I think are going to bring me happiness, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, uh, and in fact, the, the simplicity, in fact, just recently, um, you know, I was thinking one day, I do a lot of really big events, as you know, you know, similar to you, Jeff, I, you know, I speak on stages all over the world. And I, you know, I'm often invited to speak on two, three, 500 person stages. Um, and I was missing doing smaller, more intimate rooms. And I did a little, um, you know, 20, 30 person room here in Calgary recently, and it was so fun and it was so intimate. I realized I'm going to start doing more of those, not because I need to, but because I want to, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I, I really enjoy, isn't I enjoy noticing that. It makes a big difference, yeah, you know? The, small, the smaller ones, I don't know, You just sometimes you get more more deeper work done. Absolutely. Because you can get that opportunity to sort of involve everyone where the big mm-hmm. events, you can like sometimes get lost. Good fun, mm-hmm. but the, you, still get, you still get that little bit lost. But it's it is it's just remembering it's just remembering the the silly you know the little things the little mm-hmm. smells that I like I used to carry around with me um, which is very weird to most people but there's a I don't know if you get it in in Canada but it's called TCP um, oh. it's basically an antiseptic that's what it is right um, yeah. and I for a long time I used to carry it simply because it reminded me of my granddad uh. and it was for mm-hmm. some strange reason I used to wash his face in it every day. Wow. So we never had spots, so it obviously worked. But you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, to some people, it's like, well, that's just weird because it's TCP and it reminds them of something completely different. 
but it's just that little that little smell could take me off into a completely different world and back mm-hmm. to being sort of 10 11 years old but it's it's just really getting a for me i call it like a rolodex of the simple things because mm-hmm. it's just by having that collection is when things are challenging you don't have to create big things to to change your to get yourself into a better state it's the mm-hmm. little things that can create the that sort of that that effect for quite often it doesn't have to be anything massive yeah it's so true if you just notice where you feel most in the flow and happiness yeah. Um, like for me, one of, one of the times I love early mornings, it's my most creative time, right? So I often don't schedule anything in the morning. And one of my favorite things to do is like pull my laptop in bed in the morning and do my writing and my blogging and, and my newsletter and all those things right when I first wake up. And yeah. to me, that feels so decadent, you know? And But it's just something I've noticed about myself. And, and so when you really create that awareness of, where do you feel most in the flow Mm. Um, that, you know, living the simple life becomes living the joyous life. Yeah. And you know, when you've made it, when you can do your work in bed, that's when you know, (laughs) when you can just go, do you know what? It's duvet. I'm just going to go and I'm just going to do my blog in bed. That's, 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 that's really, (laughs) you know, when you've made it. (laughs) A lot, a lot of people say, you know, why, why do you have your office in your home? You're doing so well. You could have an office anywhere. I'm like, I love having my office in my home. I can go make a cup of tea anytime I want and go out in the garden when I need to. For me, it's perfect. Yeah. I don't think I would change it. There's certain times where it gets a little bit hectic, but I love being in my, I love getting, same as you. I love people coming to the house and having the meeting at home. Rather mm-hmm. than going and meeting in a hotel or or whatever else, I just think it's it's well, it just feels better. It's a it's a yeah. strange thing. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for for sharing with us your your wisdom, your knowledge, and and the questions and and answers and and them. Um, could you take a moment just to give the listeners how they can get hold of you? You know, um, your so best way to sort of either if they want to contact you or how they can find some more information about you. Well, I've got a great takeaway for your listeners. If okay. you want to actually practice the skills of influence and, and so you can create more awareness to them, I've got a 30 day influence challenge you can do. It's a, a free online program. We give away. If you go to mass you can sign up for the 30 day uh, influence challenge there. It's just quick two minute emails or you can see them in video form if you prefer Um, Just real quick exercises you do every day that help you understand how to build your influence. And when you sign up for that program, we uh, take you to all the links where you can get copies of my book. Um, The digital version of my book, we give away complimentary. So if you want to get a copy of Mass Influence, just go to massinfluencethebook.com and connect with me there. Yeah, and it's an absolutely brilliant book. I highly recommend it. Teresa, thanks very much for taking time out of your really busy day. I wish you the greatest success, and I'll speak to you soon. No, for you, Jeff, anytime. Thank you so much for having me on. As usual, if there's anything that you found really useful that's made a, a benefit to you, please jump over to iTunes, rate and share, because as as this topic of this episode is about influence it's my aim to increase my influence to help more people and if you have any questions that you would like to email me or perhaps suggestions of topics please send your email to podcast at jeffnicholson.co.uk or you can jump over to the website which is www.jeffnicholson.co.uk 
Also, as usual, there is all of the information on the show notes and all of the links that we've talked about today. So I want to take this final opportunity just to say, have a truly amazing week, and I wish you the greatest success. Take care.